HR person interviewing me, he was like, you kind of seem all over the place. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, and he was like, but you also seem like you kind of know what you want, but you don't really know if there's a way to put them together. And he's like, well, we have a department where you can do that. It's called. Welcome to, or welcome back to Fashion Carry Stories. My name is Lucas Silva Edwards. I am a career strategist and executive coach with more than 10 years of experience in the fashion and luxury industry here in Paris, France. My role is to help you design a successful life and career in one of the most glamorous industries on the planet, but also one of the most competitive. For that reason, I have interviewed fashion professionals at different stages of the career in order to decode their best practices, tactics and strategies. I hope for you is that you will find in those conversations some inspiration and insights that will help you build your professional journey in the world of fashion and luxury. Today I will be chatting with Chiara Théophile. Chiara is one of my students at the Institut Français de la Mode and she's a perfect ambassador of what the next generation is all about. She's bicultural, has lived and studied in several continents and she's full of hope and dreams about her career and sees fashion as a global and glamorous industry. However, like many of her peers, she's not blind regarding the challenges that lies in front of her in order to make fashion a more inclusive and sustainable industry. In this conversation, Kaya will share her professional journey so far. You will discover how she found a way to mix her passion for psychology, gender studies and fashion. Not only in a position that even me has never heard before, but also doing it at one of the top luxury brands on the planet. For confidentiality reasons, we won't name the brand. You will also learn why planning every step of your career is sometimes not so useful and why overcoming your fear of networking could be one of the best investments in the long run. Around three quarters of the episode, Kara and I even enter to a quick coaching session where we get deep into the trenches of how to craft and design your career strategy. If you are in a moment of transition, you will find there some interesting questions to ask yourself. I have to say, this conversation encapsulates the essence of what I love about my job and what this podcast stands for, openness, vulnerability and courage. And with no further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Kraya Theophile. Psst, stay until the conclusion of this episode. I will share with you some updates that I received last week on Kara's journey. Hi Kara, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good too, thank you for, for coming. Uh, I'm really excited to, to have this talk with you. Uh, because uh, as you know, I'm, I'm launching this, uh, this mm -hmm. new podcast and, uh, and I was explaining to you earlier the, the idea is really like to inspire the new generation and other professionals who, who have been in this, uh, let's say, this game for a little while, but they don't know the ins and outs or the mm -hmm. insides of uh, what's hap what happened when, you, when we, we start a, a new career in the industry. So that's why I really wanted to have you in this, uh, in this show. And, um, and just to, to start a little bit, to give a little bit of context, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you are bicultural, you have lived yes. in different countries, so tell me more about it. For sure. So, um, yes, I am 
French-American. I grew up in Paris with a French father and an American mother who made sure that I knew that side of myself as well. Um, even though I was growing up going to French schools and, you know, very European lifestyle. Um, I went to high school in the United Kingdom. And I briefly, very briefly lived in Italy for a few months. Um, and then I went to the University of Chicago for my bachelor's degree, which I did in psychology and in gender studies. So a bit outside of fashion, but I, um, I researched um, female liberation through clothing in the context of my gender studies uh, degree. And, um, and I also, you know, I, I was like an editor for our fashion magazine at my school, which um, has been recognized by Vogue as one of the best, best university magazines in the United States. So it was a pretty big thing. I tried to stay involved in fashion as much as I could. And then once I graduated in 2021, I went to the Institut de back to Paris, um, and I, I did the master's in international fashion and luxury management. And I'm now doing my end of studies internship um, for that master's. So I finally entered like the the adult world, we can say. <laughs> you finally breaked in in the yeah. in the industry. I'm so, here. Um, <laughs> so quite a, a journey. Yeah. Um, when I hear you talk about everything you have done, uh, my first question, and I'm wondering, is like, when did you get the, the bug of the of fashion, and why did you choose uh, gender study and that specific like uh, uh, thesis? Mm -hmm. I actually got the fashion bug really young. Like I was six years old and I told my parents I was going to be a designer. Um, and I loved it. Like I've, I've always been really passionate about it. I did like my stage de troisième. It's like a, you know, the internship, your discovery internship when you're in, um, what is it, troisième in eighth grade in France. So I did it in at Marc Jacobs. Um, I was there for a week. It was like, the best week of my life. Um, and so I, I really, I really wanted to do that. And then my high school in the UK, they were very traditional. Like they really did not encourage kind of artistic fields. And so I said, okay, no, like it's not realistic. I will become a doctor. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we, it took a while <laughs> to get back to fashion. And then I went to, to U Chicago and Medicine was not for me, but I had always really been passionate about gender and gender equality and, and all those kinds of questions. Um, also psychology, because I'm always like, why do people do certain things? You know, if we're looking at fashion, I'm like, why do people buy certain things in certain ways? Um, so, so that's how I got into gender studies and psychology. And I knew that I wanted to eventually get back to fashion after my bachelor's. Um, which is why, like, for my thesis, I was like, okay, I need to find a way to, like, incorporate clothing um, into my studies. And so how can I do that? Well, clothing is typically talked about, you know, there's, we talk about it a lot when we talk about women's rights and, you know, the flappers, for example, like, their style of clothing was super revolutionary um, and, like, a marker of, like, the, the freedom that women were gaining in that moment. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write about it. Okay, that's um, what mm -hmm. I like about the the way you have built like uh, your your journeys. Like you say, yeah, I've always knew that I, I wanted to be linked to, to 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 fashion, but at the end it was not a straight line because no. of uh, you say mm -hmm. school education the, the the system. But you kept your 
let's say your dream into into mm -hmm. your head and uh, and that's something like um, really unique about the people who work in fashion that a lot of them did a lot of things before mm -hmm. entering the fashion world but all of the, that knowledge always helped them to get along to have another type of vision another uh, way of thinking about yeah. it maybe a more like a deeper way of thinking mm -hmm. especially like uh, i imagine in your case the psychology gender study um you probably had an impact in the way you see clothes and uh, in For the sure. industry <laughs> yeah ho, ho, talking about that what what is your kind of your view uh let's say today or in general or in the future how that knowledge uh, give you a let's say an insight about what's happening in the industry today yeah um how does it give me an insight i mean i think that because of the research i've done and all those things i think i see fashion i guess in a much more like anthropological way like when i work in it and when i interact with the products that i work with i'm always just my question is always like wow like the impact this has on material culture and society and the way like in a hundred years you know in a history textbook like they might talk about the ways that we were dressing today so it has like such a big impact that people don't necessarily realize and we need to find ways to to kind of like glamorize the clothing and like sell the dream to the clients um so i, I don't know it's fun so i i definitely i think approach approach my <laughs> my like love of fashion my interaction with fashion um in a bit more of like an academic way which is mm -hmm. definitely what is like guiding my path in fashion because i want to incorporate that like in my career um i want to like provide the different houses in fashion with an understanding of why what they're doing is like not just selling you know logo mania clothes to whatever gen z buyer there is um so so yeah okay and um i like where where, where, where we're going and uh, i just want to take a step back a little mm -hmm. bit before we go into uh, maybe what you are doing today yeah. because i think that's where uh you're able to do today to be able to work in a more that that deeper mm -hmm. level uh, in mm -hmm. work but we know we're going to get back to that so um, what do you remember from your first internship at mar jacobs what what surprised you the most what what do you remember yeah um what do i remember i one so i it was really cool i got to go in a different department each day so and i was in the creative studio at the time when mark jacobs was designing for louis vuitton and so they had a paris headquarters um and it was just a creative team and so i went to shoes i went to you know like knitwear i went to ready to wear it was very cool seeing how many different ways there were to develop these products and also like i remember the shoes seeing how they were designing the shoes and up to that point like i was like okay if it's pretty it'll sell you know like i was 13 and the shoe designer was like no because you need to think about can you actually walk in this shoe like can you you know is the color gonna fade is the material gonna grow old and that was, I think, the first time I realized that, like, fashion is not all about pretty things. <laughs> There's actually a very large part of it that is about what is practical and what is actually feasible. And I was like, okay. Um, so, so I think that really shocked me. And then also, um, what was really, really cool about that internship was 
I was there at a time where they were starting the creative process for a new collection. And so I got to see like how, what the beginnings of that looked like. Um, and Mark Jacobs team, they, they do a lot of vintage, vintage stuff. So they would go on these outings for like the day and they would just look at all of these old clothes and then they would come back and they would have like these crazy mood boards with different, you know, eras of fashion that could interest them and how to like link them to like modern times. And now that I think about it, maybe that's why I started getting so interested in the history of fashion because I realized how big of a part it played in like today's fashion. Um, so I, I think those were the two like standouts of that internship. I love that you almost got like a illumination of that. Yeah, of that, I was that. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah that, that's why I was, uh, I wanted to ask you about it because sometimes when we think about our journeys or where mm -hmm. we want to go, especially in fashion, we have a lot of like, emotional like memories about something, yeah. somebody, one, one moment. And uh, but in my case, one of the things that I uh, fall in love with fashion was the suits in, uh, mm -hmm. in mobster movies. It was Ooh. for me like the best thing, yeah. like uh, the archetype of, of men and mm -hmm. uh, elegance, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a swag that like in the 20s. Yeah. And, and I remember when I was a kid, uh, I said to my mom, yeah, I want to become a doctor. Uh, I want to help people. Yeah. But when I discovered that they have to wear white, like, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the thing they have to wear, I said, I know. No, no, I want to wear a suit. You're like, that's not for me. <laughs> exactly. So that's the kind of the earlier, earlier memory uh, of me and, and, and fashion and how it impacted me. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, kind of, it's your identity, your job, yeah. who you are, it's yeah. encapsulated in what you, in what you wear. Yeah. And, and of course, after that, it, it evolved. But you see, we always have something like that. Yeah. Okay, sure. so... Um, so Mark Jacobs uh, at that moment, and uh, and then you were talking a, bit, a little bit earlier that you decided to become uh, the editor of uh, your the magazine, the college uh, magazine, and that Vogue uh, like uh, said that it was one of the the best. Um, what make it like one of the best at that time? What was your angle? How did you decide to run that magazine? So, the magazine was created in like two thousand three or something. So it's, it's pretty old. It's been around a while. And it started out small, obviously. But when I started at the University of Chicago, we had a staff, I think, of like 40 people, which was like crazy for like a university. And by the time I graduated, we had a staff because we had the magazine, we had a blog, we started a podcast. So the like content side had a staff of probably like 60 people. And, and then we also had an entire organization behind where we organized a fashion show that had like hundreds of guests once a year. Um, we had, we organized other events. We had like a CFO, a CEO, like there were, I think a total of 250 students involved in this organization. So it was really big and it, yeah, it was like crazy. And so one, I wanted to find a way to be involved in fashion. I knew I liked writing, so I was like, okay, this sounds fun, you know? But I also kind of wanted to get a taste of what working in, like, a big fashion company would look like. Um, and I figured, like, honestly, this probably resembles it because there's so many of us. Um, yeah, because it, it was, like, huge. And 
it was just really cool. Our angle. So when I, when I first got there, um, I was just writing like my first year and then I became an editor. And when I was an editor, um, one of my friends was the editor in chief and we really wanted to help this magazine become kind of more like inclusive, more, more diverse. Um, cause when I started the reputation of the magazine was like, it's all the like wealthy white European international students okay. who like do this. And it, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of true. Like it was kind of true. Um, it a lot of us were, were international. A lot of us had like gone to private school. Like it was not very representative. So, um, by the time I left our angle was really about centering diversity and inclusion in the magazine, um, about not being so focused on like high fashion and like how we could emulate that, but on actually like taking what was around us and, and showing how it was also worth something in fashion. Um, the university of Chicago is in the South side of Chicago, which is quite like a poor, like black neighborhood in Chicago, but there's still like so much to see. Like when you see how people are able to create like fashion with like the, the small means they have, that's also really cool to, to make note of, you know, and, but big magazines won't necessarily comment on that because that's, that's not what people are there to, to see from them. So, um, so yeah, so that was definitely the angle. Um, also, what was cool by my fourth year, we had kind of decided to get rid of this like concept of like trying to be Vogue for undergrad. And so we had really opened the floor up to different content creators. So we had people writing poetry um, about fashion. You know, we had people writing actual articles. Um, I, for example, my articles tend to be super like gender studies related. It was always like, you know, um, gender neutral fashion or like, like, so it was all this stuff like that, you know, like kind of more looking at it from an academic perspective. We had this one guy, he, um, he did comic book strips, but like about fashion, he did interviews and then he turned them into comic books, comic book strips. It, it was really, really cool. And then obviously photography and like the photography, it's crazy. Like they were really, really good. I mean, it looks very professional. I can send you the link if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So. Um, amazing. And, um, and so you were the editor, you're working with the editor in chief, if mm -hmm. I understand well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, and so the idea to get in was to okay, work in fashion and mm -hmm. understand how it is to work in a big yeah. environment. So what did you, what did you learn during that, uh, that experience? What I learned, um, one, and how, and sorry, and how that helped you maybe later, what did you, yeah, what insight sure. did you get from that? Um, I think the biggest takeaway was like how, how everyone interprets fashion differently and like how to make sense of those different interpretations and turn it into one final product because we would have staff meetings and like, we'd be talking about Paris fashion week or whatever. And you would literally have a different opinion from everyone, but we would have to come up with like a single theme to discuss it, you know? So I think that was probably my biggest, that, that was one of my biggest takeaways and also like making people understand fashion in a way that of course, kept the glamour of fashion, but also like really highlighted the people behind it and the work that went into it. Um, 
because that's actually something that I have to do for my internship is I have to do a lot of speech writing and I have to explain like the know-how of the pieces in the collections, but I also kind of have to keep the glamour of the collection, you know, because like not everybody's interested in the fact that you used X factory and then it took like X amount of time to produce like this one piece. But you kind of need to know it because that's also what justifies your price. So like, how can I explain that while also being like, no, but this, the factory is super sexy. <laughs> you know, the people, the sequins, they're beautiful and it's so great. Um, so I think that that's where I started realizing that and where I started kind of understanding how the kind of more practical, less glamorous side of fashion went with the fashion that we sell. Because um, even, like, the, the runway show that we organized at Moto, like, it was chaotic. And, like, it wasn't actually, by the end, by the day of the show, you were so done. Like, you just wanted to sleep. You know, you hadn't slept in 10 hours. People were yelling at each other. Um, chairs hadn't arrived. Like, you know, there was a problem with the backstage. Like, you're like, okay, you have to make this happen. And then you're sending everything out and everyone is like, that was so beautiful. And you're like, oh, but backstage, it wasn't. It was messy. <laughs> it was a mess. It's like people were crying. Like it was not cute. <laughs> it's true. That's what, that's what we see today, especially like uh, with social media, when the fashion shows are everywhere, we see the backstage, everything yeah. looks so, so glamorous, yeah. but that's kind of the, the, the reality of, uh, any fashion show, yeah. even in what I love about it, it's like even in a university, yeah. it's still the still the same. An event is messy, it's chaotic, yeah. uh, it take it take all your energy. You have to be on, and mm -hmm. when you're done, you just want to be done. You don't want to hear anything yeah. about clothes, like Thank models, <laughs> no more. And, uh, and and it's part of that. Maybe my uh, my expression is too extreme, the love and hate relationship between fashion that we have because, you know, the cycle sometimes they so intense and they repeat so often that, yeah, you have to find a way to kind of re-energize, refine inspiration. Uh, yeah, totally. The, the storytelling that you, you were talking about, like, how interest people about like a nerdy thing that you think is so important that, uh, yeah, make the full story. But the majority of people won't care about that, but how make that interesting and yeah. relevant. Uh, it's, it's all the beauty to work in the, in the fashion uh, industry. For sure. And um, so after Moda, after university, you said that you, you decided to go to the Institut Francais mm -hmm. de, de la Mode. Why, why did you decide to, this time to really go into, yeah. in, into, into fashion? And, uh, and what did you learn over there like that uh, kind of complement was complementary yeah. to your experiences and the, the studies you have done before? <clears throat> um, so I actually, I applied to a mix of research programs, like research masters and like fashion management programs. And basically I was kind of like, if I get into a fashion school, it's now or never, you know, like I have to do this. I've been wanting to do this since I was six. Um, I know I want to work in fashion. I just don't know what that's going to look like. So I might as well. Um, and I got into the IFM. Um, I also kind of wanted to come back to Paris. It was like COVID. I was away from my parents. It was like a mess. So it, it just seemed like the right decision. Um, and I think it was, it was a really, I just did one year. So I entered in the second year of the program 
And it was very interesting because they really approached like management from all angles. And I think they, I was a bit worried that I was going to get like trapped in a very business side of fashion. And I think they made it clear that like management isn't just about, you know, business analysis. It isn't just about the merchandisers. Like there's so much more to it. There's so many jobs that you will never have heard of until you like do this program or until you like work in fashion and you're interacting with people who have like the most random jobs. You're just like, I, I didn't even know that could exist, you know? So yeah. So that was, that was really cool. I think it also, um, taught me how important networking is in fashion, this school. Um, like really, and, and we're very lucky because IFM has such an amazing network for us to use, but you know, you start the program, everybody always tells you that fashion is a small world. Everybody knows each other. So like networking is important. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's important, whatever, but no, like it's important. It is important is all I can stress. I mean, we had some of our professors, like we would have conferences with the CEO of Givenchy talking to us or like the CEO of Loewe talking to us. And in those moments, you're kind of like, ugh, whatever, they don't want to talk to us. But no, they're usually super engaged with the students. Um, you know, they will give you their contact. They will give you the contacts of people that you might be interested to talk to if only you're brave enough to go talk to them at the end of their conference. And that like was hard for me at the beginning, but like, it's so useful. I mean, even now, you know, with you, for example, like we saw each other at the alumni event at Fevrud and we, we talked and I was able to gain insight on certain questions I had, um, because like I went to talk to you or, you know, I contacted another professor about her job and like, she was very open to talking to me. So that, that was definitely a very useful, <laughs> a useful skill that I developed this year. Um, that, and just learning that fashion is not as like, there are so many jobs that you don't think of that, that are huge, huge mm -hmm. array of, of jobs. Like yeah. the one we, we all know about, yeah. uh, it's just the, the top of the iceberg. Yeah. But it's, uh, exactly. So many different people working in okay. and different uh, positions. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love that you stress the fact that, yeah, you, you learn about networking. Um, it's true that, uh, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson that, uh, I need to, uh, had to learn also, uh, when I enter in the fashion industry to not be shy, yeah. to not think that, uh, having done good studies or I've been graduated yeah. from a good school would be enough to enter in that industry. Uh, even talent, it won't, won't be, won't be enough. And uh, it's something that it's hard to to learn before we enter. And um, so, if you if you were like maybe like to give a few advice to your younger <laughs> self, yeah. what well, what would it be now that you kind of in? And uh, so you say, yeah, networking. What yeah. else do you think would be like uh, useful to yeah. to learn or, or at least some skills to acquire? I mean, I think even developing on the networking thing, I think two years ago and a lot of younger people like thinking about entering career, part of the reason why networking is so hard is because there's this fear that people don't want to help you or like that it's weird to like reach out to people, but it's not. And it's like, you know, at the company I work for and at other companies my friends work at, like our bosses have told us that 
a lot of jobs are obtained through internal recommendations, you know, not LinkedIn. So, I mean, LinkedIn is helpful, you know, but like there are some jobs that will never see LinkedIn because they'll first look within the people they know within their network. So my main tip would really be, don't be afraid to reach out to contacts you have, or also if somebody gives you their number and tells you to reach out to them, like actually follow up on it. Don't be like, yeah, for sure. Like actually follow up on it. Even if you don't have anything to ask from them at that moment, just send a message being like, Hey, thank you so much for, you know, giving me your number. Thank you for the talk we had. Um, I'll definitely reach out to you when I'm looking for something because they'll remember you and they'll have a positive, a, a positive memory of you. So I think that would be one piece of advice. And my second piece of advice would be to not get too stressed about like job categories and about what next step to take to get to your ultimate destination. Because um, like so many people have just really crazy stories of how they ended up in their position and, you know, like they left and they did something else and then they did something that seems completely unrelated, but actually like it taught them this, that they're now using in their dream job. So that would be my two biggest pieces of advice. Don't get too stressed that like you're doing something that seems unrelated to what you actually think you want to do. And also don't get too stressed about what you think you actually want to do because you, you might not, like you might start working and realize that like, it's not, it's not what you thought it was. Great. Great pieces uh, of uh, advice. I, I, I love it. Um, just to, to, to add a few things about the, the networking, I think your, your advice is, uh, it's perfect. And, uh, and as you said, like one of the things that we, we forget sometimes when we, we, we start, it's that the people in front of us, they also been in the same position yeah. and, and us. And a lot of people in the in the industry, but in general, they're happy to give the hand to somebody uh, that asks for help or asks for some yeah. advice. Um, the the real thing it's like to at least arrive with uh, uh, being genuine, being authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the things I always recommend is like, don't ask for a job or a position, but uh, get interested in mm-hmm. the person, get interested in their journeys, uh, as exactly as as you explained. Sometimes they are in some in one position, but don't think it was a straight line. Maybe they have done so many other things, and that gives you inspiration, just to understand that maybe the path where you're going will lead you to somewhere else, and will lead you somewhere else. So sometimes it's not so much what somebody can do for you; mm-hmm. it's much more about like what the journey can, uh, how it can be an inspiration for your own like uh, professional project. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you said to always kind of follow up with them, uh, because it's one of the things that we notice. Sometimes we help somebody, and then uh, or we talk with them, and then we never hear from them mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, because, and I, I have done that as well. It's like, oh yeah, they help me. I don't want to bother them yeah, any, totally. anymore. It's like, uh, yeah, I, I want to leave them alone. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. You want to know what happened yeah. with the insight or info you gave, and you, when somebody like reach uh, another stage of their professional career, or they gain something from from it, but you are happy to have been part of that, and you want to be a witness and you want to celebrate that. So, yeah. as well, I always say like, reach out to them, follow up, and give them the opportunity to mm-hmm. celebrate with you mm-hmm. your successes. Yeah, and. Uh, 
so that's a that's a, a really good one and i love the second part of your your advice about like keeping up like a, what i call a growth mindset mm -hmm. like keep looking about like different opportunities don't don't close yourself to uh, where you can go and the different move that exists because mm -hmm. fashion is so big so large that okay. even going out of fashion can be a way to get back into yeah. fashion in another from another door uh, so i love the the the, the advices and um so Coming back to where you are now, you, as we talked, like uh, you say, you did the gender studies, you learn about the, the fashion and more the business side with the, with your school. Mm -hmm. uh, you had some, uh, let's say, professional experiences. So how did you uh, end up doing what you are doing now? Was it like a straight line? Was it something that you, uh, you apply and you, you, you got the position? Or, and, and tell us a little bit more about what, what, mm -hmm. what you do. Yeah. So I do something called style expertise, which is not styling. Um, it's even though it sounds like it is, but basically we're a department that kind of aims to help ready to wear sales for our brand. And we do that by organizing events in stores around the launch of the collection in store for different types of clients. So there are different events. Um, they all kind of have different goals. And through those events, we teach the clients about the heritage of the brand, the style of the brand, and also about the new collection. How does the new collection insert itself into the DNA of the brand? How can you style yourself to fit your style, but also to reflect the style of the brand? Um, you know, and, and just stuff like that. So, so that's mainly what we do. Um, we also, um, we also do things for internal teams. Like we'll, we're in charge of creating a document called Decrypt the Collection, where we basically explain, break down the collection for internal teams. And then those internal teams will use that document for like the buying sessions, for, you know, merchandising, for kind of like everything. So that's what I do. And so I, um, so my job is partially like event planning um, and it's also partially editorial because I basically write speeches. I write speeches and I do research on the collection. And so to answer your other question, I did not apply for this job. Um, I got here in a really random, not really random way, but like I basically was applying for my internships and I knew that I wanted, I liked event planning. I also liked writing and I, I, I wanted something more creative. So I was kind of applying to like press, press coordination, um, production, runway production, because I had um, done a short internship in runway production for Paris Fashion Week for a brand. Um, so like press runway production and then like kind of editorial projects, um, cultural projects related to kind of like the, the heritage of the brand, but kind of in that field. And so basically I, I applied to this brand and I applied to press, editorial conception, and runway production. <laughs> I was like, I want to, I want to come here. <laughs> I want to come. And I got an interview with the HR people and, and the HR person interviewing me, he was like, you kind of seem all over the place. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, and he was like, but you also seem like you kind of know what you want, but you don't really know 
if there's a way to put them together. And he's like, well, we have a department where you can do that. It's called style expertise. <laughs> Would you be interested? Literally, I read the description. I sent it to my friends and I was like, this is literally the perfect job for me. And everyone was like, yes, like, yes. Um, so he was like, would you be interested? It's like, sure. Um, I'll meet with a manager, you know, they'll decide. Um, (laughs) and I met with my manager and, and she was great. And, um, she was looking for somebody fully bilingual. Um, and so it was perfect for me and here I am now. So voila. Exactly. So it's a perfect illustration of what you were saying that there is a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't know exactly what we're going to get where you want. Uh, but it's about putting yourself out there. Yeah. Uh, um, what I like about your, your story, it's mm-hmm. even though you didn't know exactly where you wanted to go, you had a clear understanding of like okay, press, editorial and um, what was the, 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 the last one? Yeah, production of event. And I, and I like that, that. It was at least really like precise where you mm-hmm. wanted to go. And you have, and if I understand well, you have done each of those in the past. So yeah. you had some experience to, uh, to, to, to leverage. And um, what about like, uh, what about kind of now, what, what have you learned about like when you gather all of those mm-hmm. things all, all in once? How that, uh, like, job has changed your perception of fashion the, of the industry and uh yeah yeah um i think um what have i learned from this experience um i mean i i've definitely confirmed that like i like the nerdy side of fashion when i think back on what i really liked about my internship um it's getting to really like interact with the collection and gain like a total total understanding of it by the end of a collection cycle i can tell you everything about it you know and i I really like that i think that's very fun um i also realized like it's i think there's this kind of idea that um especially for event planning in fashion if you're not event planning in the sense of you're organizing the fashion show it's not cool and it's not as cool, you know? And also like my, my job is quite retail, um, driven and that's not cool. Like that's not like the glamorous job you think of, but it's actually very, very fun. And it is quite glamorous in a way because you're interacting one just with these clients who have like ridiculous means and are, you know, coming to just shop, shop, shop for whatever they want. So when I'm like, that's, they live a glamorous life, you know, and you get to talk to them. Um, but also I, I think it's cool because it, it really shows you what actually matters in a fashion brand. Like the fashion shows are cool, but if the clients behind aren't buying the product, well, the fashion show didn't really do anything. Um, and we get to help make sure that those sales happen. So, um, so I think it definitely has helped me like kind of stop thinking about jobs in terms of like glamorous, not glamorous. Um, yeah. 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 Upgraded your way of thinking about it's it. It's upgraded my way of thinking yeah. for sure. Um, so it's very fun and it definitely has 
also helped me kind of understand what I want to do in the future more. Um, so this is like a job that doesn't really exist in that many houses. It's kind of being developed, it's kind of being thought of because it is useful, um, but it, it's new and, and it's something I would like to keep doing. So, and it, it also is something that I would like to even further transform maybe into like a kind of more like a cultural consultancy kind of way, like helping brands um, link their heritage with like today um, and how those things can come together. So, um, so that's been fun. That's been, that's been helpful for me. Yeah. I like, I like where you, where you're going with that. Like uh, it's kind of a new position, new job, new way of uh, even selling the mm -hmm. dream, selling the heritage, selling the product. So just to kind of understand uh, a little bit more, so you interact directly with those uh, high-profile uh, customers, if I understand well? So I don't, but so... Oh, okay, I you will, work but, with... Yeah, but my team does. So basically we have like ambassadresses that are sent out to um, the events. And and I, so I like organize those events and I do the speech writing for those events. Okay. And then it's the ambassadresses that face the client and like deliver that speech um, and directly interact with them. And then they come back from the events and they will give us feedback on basic things like what worked and what didn't during the event. You know, maybe something just totally went over their heads. Um, maybe the location like wasn't good. Um, maybe the food wasn't good. So basic stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But we'll also get a feedback on the amount of sales we did, um, what categories got sold the most, ready to wear accessories, um, you know, leather goods, shoes, etc. how much cross-selling we did too. Um, because that's also, we definitely want to kind of incentivize clients to cross-sell. And part of our events are really about telling them that like buying our brand, it's not about buying an individual piece. It's about buying the style of the brand. And so to buy the style of the brand, you need to create a complete look. So what are the, the elements that, uh that you have noticed that really stand out to those customers to explain that you know, a brand is not only one product, it's an entire style and universe. I think one of the big things is talking about the inspirations of the collection because when they see how many things go into like building the idea for a collection, you already understand that like, I mean, this, this goes, you know, this applies to every single product in this collection. Like there's, if there's so much that goes into the idea of a collection, like why wouldn't I buy into that whole idea instead of just one, uh, one component of that idea. So I think that definitely is one of them, like the inspirations of the collection and what it means. Um, but then also like, I think one of the big things is also more practical, but we talk a lot about things like morphology and highlighting parts of not in terms of like what you should or shouldn't wear based on your body type, but about mm -hmm. how to make yourself feel good based on what you think your morphology is. So do you like your legs more? Like, why don't you buy, why don't you highlight your waist with this belt? FYI, this belt is actually inspired by, you know, um, I don't know, like, astrological signs because our house has close ties. Like our house's founder was very keen on astrology. And so we, we try to insert that into today's collections. Um, and so you can get this belt that will 
emphasize a part of your body that you like, and that will also reflect like the brand and its heritage. Makes sense. So that's why the styling part, mm -hmm. spices, the heritage, yeah. and you mix uh, all of that. So it's really like creating a, a unique experience yeah. for those high-profile customers when the yeah. brand really take the, take over. Well, at least show them the entire universe and yeah. it'll take time to exchange yeah. and, uh, and really find the, the products and the style that fit who they are, their yeah. identity, what they want to express mm -hmm. through the brand's proposition of that. Yes, exactly. Now it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. That's why it's, even me, I'm, I'm learning new ways of uh, how the brands are selling. It's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. And um, you were saying that you, you want to continue in this uh, type of jobs or at least uh, continuing to earn your, your, your skills. Um, so today, what are the, the questions you have, maybe the doubts, the interrogation? Oh, oh, where, where are you now? So I guess my biggest question would be, how does one advance in a job that does not yet exist? You know, because I know yeah. that I'm going to have to kind of pave my own way which would be fine, I think, if I had a few more years of experience. But right now it's like, how do I legitimize myself? How do I, you know, prove that this is a job worth creating or worth developing more while also kind of having to prove that, like, my 23-year-old self is the person to do it? Um, I think th those are probably my two biggest questions. And so the question is also kind of like, do I continue kind of gaining experiences in these, all of the fashion houses to, to gain a network, to see different jobs and how I can take different aspects of those jobs and put them together in what I want to eventually do? Do I strike out on my own? Like, you know, yeah. So many questions. So many questions. So many interroga interrogations. So that's, the, <laughs> that's the beauty of uh, crafting your, 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 your journey into the fashion industry. And they're all like really interesting questions and, uh, and thanks for, for, for sharing. Um, I would say like, what, what, like today, what do you think will be like the, the road for you? What are your intuitions? Currently my idea is to work a little in fashion in related fields for a year or so. And then since part of my future job hopefully will really be dependent on me proving that I have a lot of like research skills in part, because I want to focus on the research side of what I do. Um, probably going back to school and getting a research master's that will kind of justify my expertise. Um, and then after that, then reaching out to the network, I will have hopefully created uh, and kind of start seeing like if there is anything that could resemble what I want to do if they know of departments that are looking for things like this. So that that's probably my my that's my thought process like right now. Yeah, for the moment, gain legitimacy mm -hmm. to be able like to at least convince people and and be ready when the let's say the jobs yeah will open if one day they're, they're yeah ready. okay and uh, and if we go back to your advice that you gave earlier. Well, how do those advice will apply to you today? Is there anything that you could do today to help you develop those uh, that's the next step? 
Yes. Well, one of the things I have done reaching out to people in my network that I already have, asking them if they have people I could talk to, asking them for tips as well. Um, as I said earlier, I know that my history of fashion professor has a job that really resembles what I want to do. And it's something that she's kind of had to forge for herself as well. So, you know, I asked her about what, how did she do, like, what did she do to get here? Because she didn't start out in what she's doing either. Um, and so she's definitely part of the reason why I'm thinking of doing it the way I am currently thinking of doing it. Um, so that, and then also, I guess, yes, like the other part of my advice, which is basically going with the flow and understanding that nothing is linear, um, is I know it's good advice, but it's, it's a bit harder to apply to myself, um, especially as a type A person who needs to know how I'm going to achieve the things I'm planning on achieving. Um, (laughs) it's, it's true. It's It's a hard one. And I like that you. You admit it to yourself that uh, it's yeah. not an easy one. Um, yes. So, uh, so I like where you're going. I like that you you talk to your your former professor. That at least you have somebody who kind of have done where you mm-hmm. more or less where you want to go. At least it gives you kind of a point of of, mm-hmm. of reference. Uh, probably was a specific time for uh, also for her mm-hmm. uh, for the professor. And I would say one of the things that uh, uh, when I hear you. You talk. It's about the the legitimacy. Mm-hmm. What would you say? How did you fe- would you feel when you're gonna feel legitimate? What would be like if you have to project yourself and you say, "Okay, I feel legitimate. I'm I'm ready." Tell me how it would look like. How would it look like? God, I don't even know. Um, I think one just. I would have a more complete understanding of how different fashion houses operate. Because I think this is a job that will require a lot of adaptation to different brands' expectations. And right now, like, I don't have enough experience, enough lengthy experience in different brands to, like, have that. So I think part of it will definitely be, like, being able to showcase that, like, I understand that, like, there are so many factors that will go into how this job is done for this specific brand so I can deliver like what they're looking for. Um, and then also I think part of it will be like kind of more, more like resume legitimacy, just like having a stocked up resume, um, partially with educational experience, because I, I do think that like another degree would definitely legitimize me. Um, maybe that's because I come from a very academic family. I don't know. But, um, but I, I think it would help. And based on what my professor did, like she got a PhD. Um, so, <laughs> so it a seems, longer road ahead of you. <laughs> a road ahead of me. Um, so will I go all the way through to a PhD? Um, who knows, but I think another master's that is more related to like the theoretical side of fashion, like the research side of fashion to go with my management master's that shows that I kind of like know how to piece those two things together will be useful. That that's, those that's are my legitimacy for, for, yeah, for that's the way I think, yeah. go through the, uh, I can, I can. Mm-hmm. you told me something earlier about like what stand out for. For the customers mm-hmm. uh, and it was like uh, 
how you're able to bring the heritage of the brand into like the let's say the identity of the person and all of that create like a, a unique experience do you think that having a master will help you to become really good at that no not necessarily i'm just i'm asking i, I don't have no i don't think i don't think i don't think that's i don't think that's what the master would teach me for sure um i think part of that is definitely just like gaining experience at these events you know and and having the opportunity to maybe interact with the clients myself and the people who are buying these products myself um like i think that would for sure be be useful um so i don't think that's what the master would fulfill okay yeah and so so if i understand what well, the master will fulfill like the pure knowledge and kind yeah. of uh, give you like the yeah, the backbone of your your, yeah. your knowledge and be able like to share that with the world yeah. and say okay i have the degree yeah but at the same time it won't give you any specific like a field or insight about how actually your knowledge going to be used and useful for the brand no it won't but i think it will give me like because what i'm thinking about doing will require like a lot of research and so i think that it would give me like really useful like research skills you know that i like have at a bachelor's degree level which isn't which is good like i i do already have research experience but like not in a way that i think would allow me to like confidently be able to deliver like multiple research projects basically at once you know like how to how to organize myself um better though i think that's what that's kind of like what it would it would help me with yeah okay so i get the next the, the next question would be something you said about gaining more experience inside the fashion houses understand them more how they work you talked about adaptability mm -hmm. um do you think about a way that you could let's say gain those experience or prototype in some way uh, moment when you can gain that I think, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know yet. Um, I know that right now I feel like trying to think about the elements of this job and pick them apart and figure out like what different departments in a house, like kind of like apply at least one of those elements, one or two of those elements and gaining experiences in those to then like piece all of those experiences together that seems like a good idea. Um, attending like the events that we're organizing would be great. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not invited, but um, you know, <laughs> um, but if I were like, that would be useful. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. And maybe outside <clears throat> of you, the, the current position, let's yeah. say you, you finish your, the, the position you are now, and then you are open to work with any type of brand. Is the, do you think about anywhere when you could practice those, those those skills and gain the insights you want to gain? Practicing the skill, like the client-facing skills, less so, just because. For example, yeah. Yeah, um, 
yeah, so breaking down like the client facing skills, I think that's probably the hardest thing to gain just because like I don't work in a boutique. I don't really plan on working in a boutique because like it's not it's not my project personally. So so you know that is definitely something to like seek out in a different way. I think the other things there's definitely like positions, there's definitely ways to gain those skills, um, to gain those skills or, you know, even like maybe there are skills that I haven't even thought of that like a future job will present me with and I'll be like, oh, that's going to be really useful for me later on. So, yeah. So Very well. So, so not so much in the retail and the result of skills that you haven't defined uh, uh, yet. But I know that. No, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, even though, like, it's not necessarily clients, like, I know that right now for my first job, I'm looking at, like, press coordination, Um, and part of the reason I'm looking at press coordination is because it's events, it's event planning on a large scale, um, so useful, but it's also dealing with people and, like, the people who are going to be attending the show, like, in a very, very interactive way, and um, it's dealing with people who have high expectations, like it would be dealing with the different markets and like their press representatives. And these are people who are used to getting invited to shows who have like pretty high expectations of where they want to be seated, you know, what they want to be seeing, who they want to be talking to. Um, so I think that's, that's like a way to emulate like what I'm trying, what I'm trying to gain. Yeah. For the even part and yeah. all at the same time talking to high profile or people who are at that level of service and yeah. like that you can gain that. Okay. So who is that, let's say press coordinator, you will gain that those insights. Uh, however, you will not gain the, let's say pure customer or research if I understand well. So that's why the master also could be interesting, yeah. uh, um, too. Um, you talked also about like, for example, creating an agency or doing it on on, on your own. What do you do? You have a, any idea what your agency would look like? What kind of service would you provide to brands? Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. No, maybe, you, so. You, maybe so. Um, what would be like the main, like let's say, the, the topics? Even if it's not perfect, just. To... I think there would kind of be like two topics. I guess one would really be like cultural consultancy. So, which I guess would be at the inception of the collection itself. Um, and like giving the creative teams, the, the, um, knowledge, like the heritage knowledge, the historic knowledge, the kind of research side of like what they need to build a collection. So, um, to really one for me, just fully understand the inspiration behind a collection, like, and then be able to, kind of help the creative team from those inspirations figure out like how they can apply them to make a meaningful collection. So I think that would definitely be one side of my, my services that I'd be offering. And then the other side would then be to take that knowledge that I have developed and I have gained in tandem with the creative team and regenerate it in a way that would help us like promote the collection, um, promote the collection in events for our clients, maybe even promote the collection, like, you know, in a digital way, like how can we write blurbs about our products that really encapsulate what we are trying to say, um, 
in a way that glamorizes it. Okay. So I love where it's pretty like uh, precise and I, I like it, uh, that, uh, that logo. It, it, it's awesome. No, you really thought about it. Uh, so I would ask you again, how do you think you could prototype that or experience that? Prototyping that, maybe reaching out to smaller brands and seeing if they if they would be interested. I mean, I um I was actually talking about this with someone who is like working on he's helping develop a very new brand who's like that's being created by like the son of some guy who has a leather company. Um <laughs> but um and I was talking about it and he was like, Oh, like so you're really you know a lot about storytelling. Like, could you help us develop our storytelling? Um, so I, that could be a way to prototype it. Um, even maybe like choosing collections for myself that I'm interested in and doing the exercise myself and then presenting that to my friends, you know, my family. Is this something that would be useful to you in your job? Is this something that would incite you to buy the product? Yeah, I think, I think you are going in a really interesting uh, direction because at the end you, you you probably notice that like any type of job you need to understand what is the the, the value you're going to bring to the yeah. company so if a, a company i never heard about your position because you say it's quite it's quite new only few brands have that they they won't have the knowledge uh, of what is the value so yeah. it will be you who have to sell and pitch yeah. them the, the the value of the project and by doing that, you need to find a way to show them the ROI of your, you know, your service. What yeah. is the return and investment they're gonna have? Yeah. So I would, I, I would uh, recommend to you to really understand in the position where you are to try to understand what is the the value the brand mm -hmm. gets with your yeah. department you work with. To try to uh, highlight those, let's say, uh, KPIs. What are the main mm -hmm. elements? And try to show that in into your own sales pitch. Mm -hmm. Go talk, go talk to designers, smaller brands, mm -hmm. as you say, your family, friends. Uh, I will say also showrooms because multi-brand showrooms they talk yeah. to buyers, they talk, uh, and then and uh, the salespeople who are trained by the brand they need to be able like to transmit yeah. that. And sometimes there is not like it's a really uh, informal, uh, yeah. you know, way of transmitting the the story. Um, but for you, you say that that increased sales because yeah. at the end, the people who are going to buy those brands, they also need going to have to tell the story to their own customers. So maybe there is something there that maybe crafting uh, a pitch, uh, let's say a sales pitch or mm -hmm. a, a deck that will highlight that and, and go offer your service to maybe smaller brands. Uh, talk to, uh, we talk about networking. Talk about yeah. also how the different process uh, what are the different type of creative process that exist in different yeah. houses to understand how you can, uh, at what moment of uh, what stage of the process you can uh, mm -hmm. get in, uh, who will be the one benefit who's going to benefit from your yeah. kind of storytelling heritage, how long, for example, your, your service will be, is that something that, you know, they hire you for one month and you're able to craft something. Yeah. Is that six months? Mm -hmm. uh, are you able to have multiple brands at the same time and work with them on maybe, uh, you know, one collection, you have mm -hmm. five brands and you work with them. Uh, are you able to do that in different type of categories of product? Mm -hmm. 
jewelries, accessories, man, woman. You see, open open your mind also to what kind of story. And I will say, the other recommendation advice it's also to to say, okay, that skills in you in mm -hmm. the fashion industry. What other industry exists mm -hmm. that could ha need that uh, uh, as well? That yeah. idea of storytelling, and you know that fashion, you know, it's connected to so many other yeah. universes, other worlds. So maybe there is also other areas or industries that could benefit from that uh, the way you think and uh, about uh, your and, and use your knowledge and your stories, the storytelling yeah. skills. Uh, maybe not so much the research part because it will be another type of product, but all the skills that you have. Yeah. And so it creates an even larger opportunity or pool of opportunity. And like that, you can prototype in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I would say those are kind of like uh, top of my head, uh, the, the kind of ideas that I, I would like advise you to mm -hmm. explore. No, that's great. That's great. You, is there anything like um, other question, any other thing that you, you want to talk about or even any other like uh, advice that you have for the next gen uh, coming or or even like something that you wish to for the industry in general? Um, <clears throat> advice, maybe not. I'm, I'm advised out, but um, <laughs> but hopes for the future. I hope that our generation is able to change a lot of things in this industry in terms mm -hmm. of sustainability, in terms of inclusion. Um, and, and I hope that by the time my career is ending in fashion, we have a much more kind of like global understanding of fashion. You know, for now, fashion is still, it's very Western. Um, we forget about entire continents like, you know, Africa. So um, I think it's starting to change. And I really hope that we see it continue changing. Like, I, I really, that's that's what I hope for. Okay, so what would be the, the call to action for, for, for people? Well, what do you recommend them to, to look at, to see? Well... Call to action, I mean, one, um, like educating yourself, you know, about designers um, that aren't necessarily Western or about, you know, models that aren't all Western either. Like I really make an effort to Google like Asian designers, um, African designers, like black designers, like North African designers, you know, who's doing what, um, what does the fashion landscape look like out there? Um, so I think that's, that's like already like a good one, you know, because as soon as you start thinking about them, you kind of start trying to find ways to insert them in your daily life um, and in your daily work. So that would be my thing. And also, like, don't hesitate to actually bring it up at work and to, like, call your brands out. Um, because I do it sometimes at work, even though I'm an intern, and it's a bit scary. But, like, if we want things to change, we know that the older generation isn't doing it. So, like, we're going to have to do it. So take the leap. I love it. So yeah. educate yourself and yeah. uh, bring the knowledge to the brands and don't be scared and be part of the, the change you want to, to see yeah. in the future. Exactly. Uh, thank you a lot, Kara. It was, uh, it was great talking to you and thank you a lot for all those insights. And, uh, and yeah, let's, let's talk soon, see uh, where you, 
where your project and your and your journey goes. Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you um, for making me reflect on my project and ask questions that um, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of um, myself because it made me really have to think about what exactly I want to do. So, so thank you. And thank you for your advice and, and this great conversation. So did I not say that we were going deep in the trenches on what it means to design a career strategy? And that was only 15 minutes. So if you are interested to get coached and want some help designing your career strategy, please reach out on LinkedIn at Lucas Silva Edwards. Before we jump into the key learnings of this episode, I want to share some news and thank Chiara for being so genuine about where she is in her career and open about her fears and doubts regarding the future. I believe this is the mindset that you need to acquire and embrace at any stage of your professional journey in order to design the life and career that you really want. So what is the news? At the time of the recording, Kiara was finishing her internship and last week she announced me that she will be staying full-time over there. So big congratulations Kiara on your first job in the fashion and luxury industry. I can't wait to see where your future looks like. So what can we keep from this conversation? One, the fashion and luxury industry is composed of so many types of jobs and career paths that it's hard to plan your professional journey too much in advance. So let's stay curious about the new type of position that arises and think of the value we can bring. Two, we are part of the most glamorous industry and sometimes we can get confused between our passion and where the real value is. So let's stay open-minded when it comes to choose our next position and honest on the reason why we want what we want. Three, networking is probably the most common difficulty that my clients and our students faces, which is ironic because it's probably the most important skill to develop in the long run. So wherever you are in your career, please take a more proactive approach toward that direction. If you are still hearing this, thank you so much for tuning in. I know how much your time is valuable. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. This is the most efficient way to help us grow and entice people to listen to the show. If you have any questions, comments or requests, please feel free to reach out. In the next episode, we will continue our journey in the more creative side of fashion. I will receive Anna Xenia Ene Pienescu. She is the founder of ASEC a jewelry brand that creates a dialogue between body, the clothes, and the viewer. She's also a seasoned leather good designer with experience in brands like Balenciaga and Lueve. Until next time, I wish you a wonderful day.